And I was in sixth grade. And for some reason that stuck in my head. And all of a sudden it just, it became this bug in my ear that pushed me, I think, through the path that I am here today. I think it, it, it showed me like, oh, like that's a really cool job. Like, yeah, I could, I could, I could be the nightly news anchor. And that pushed me towards journalism, which obviously got me to where I am today. Welcome to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores exceptional career success stories, inspiring and insightful personal brand journeys that answer the question, are you coffee or are you Starbucks? Fascinating conversations with leaders about their career breakthroughs from entertainment, tech, media, and more. You'll learn how they've turned up the volume on their brand to unlock success. Firsthand, uncensored, and real, as told by people who've been there and plenty of inspiration and practical tools to help you lead with your brand every day as you drive towards your next career breakthrough. And now, here's your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. All right, everybody, it's Jason Patria here, and you are listening to the Lead With Your Brand podcast. This is the podcast to help you show your value, turn up your volume, and lead with your brand to that next career breakthrough. If you are brand new to the show, thanks for joining us. Make sure you hit the subscribe button so that you can get your weekly dose of Lead With Your Brand. Today, I am excited to speak to a guest who I have known for many, many years. His name is Patrick Gomez, and he is the editor-in-chief of the AV Club. Now, one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to Patrick is because ultimately in your career, you have to think about your audience. A key element to the Lead With Your Brand system is knowing who your target audience is. And who better to talk to about target audiences than an editor-in-chief of a digital website and news outlet. Now, when I think about your career audience, that can be a little bit odd to think about. Certainly when you're doing marketing, you think about that target audience. So let me give you some great examples. You know, when we think about Fox News, right? And I'm certainly not getting into politics here, and this isn't about being controversial, no matter what side of the aisle you're on, but Fox News is a great example of a media outlet that knows their audience. So here's the crazy thing. You know, CNN created cable 24-hour news way back in the 80s, right? I mean, in the old days, you would not buy a cable subscription package if it didn't have CNN on it. It had to be at every gym. It had to be in every hotel room. It had to be, you know, on your own television set. And then back in 1999, Fox news came out of nowhere and said, you know what? We're going to compete. And over a single decade, they were able to more than double the primetime viewing audience of CNN who created cable network news. Now, how did they do that? The reality is, is that they know their audience. In fact, their original brand documents say that we are going to super serve angry old white men. 
Now, again, I'm not trying to be controversial here. This is actually what some of their brand documents said. But when you hear that, it makes complete sense because everything on Fox News is doing the genre of news catered to that audience. Now, here's the whole thing. That audience is really an avatar or a persona. It's not necessarily a demographic, right? It's easy to look at demographics, but it's really looking at what's the secret sauce of the audience. So are all people who watch Fox News men? No. Are they all old? No. Are they all white? No. In fact, I will be honest, I have people in my own family who are not white, who live in blue states that are huge fans of Fox News. But you know what? That picture that came to your mind when I said angry old white man are the same values and beliefs, the wants, cares, and needs of people in my own family who don't meet that demographic profile. So you've got to figure out in your career who are your super fans? What is that secret sauce, right? I'll even give you another example. When I was working with the amazing folks over at Bravo, they thought about super serving in the old days to avatars, the wills and graces and the PTA trendsetters, right? So when I say that in your mind, you know who your friends are that are like the wills and graces that love to go shopping and live in big cities and they're professionals and they love going to Broadway and restaurants, but they still love a little bit of juice and gossip. And when I say PTA trendsetter, you've got someone in your head who's exactly that, right? It's maybe a mom with kids in the suburbs, but she's one of those cool moms that won't be caught dead wearing mom jeans or driving around in an old beat up station wagon or minivan, right? So I want you to start thinking in your career, who are your super fans and how can you super serve them? Because the reality is, is when you're trying to be something to everyone, you're really nothing to no one. So I'm excited to talk to my guest in just a few minutes. It's Patrick Gomez. He is the AV Club Editor-in-Chief. Now, prior to that, he served as the Senior Editor at Entertainment Weekly and as a Senior Writer at People Magazine. Now, this Texas native went to the University of Southern California right here in Los Angeles and is a member of the Television Critics Association and the Critics' Choice Association. He's also currently the host of the AV Club's podcast, Push the Envelope. We'll be back in just a few minutes with Patrick Gomez. If you're one of our listeners who's ready to dig into your personal brand and go for that next career breakthrough, I have a special announcement for you. We have the next series of the Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program starting in just a couple of weeks. Now, for years, when I would give the Lead With Your Brand workshop or keynote address, I'd come off stage and people would come up to me and say, hey, how can I put this system into practice? And that's exactly what the Career Breakthrough mentoring program does for people like you. You're high performing and you're a high potential leader. Now, our next group is starting the first week of October. So if you're ready to do the work, go to leadwithyourbrand.com and click on career breakthrough mentoring to fill out the application. For over 25 years, Jason has coached, trained, and developed thousands of leaders and executives, helping them achieve their next career breakthrough. 
He's a featured speaker at global conferences and companies to help everyone bring their best authentic self to work, show their value, and lead with their brand every day. Get more tips and tools at leadwithyourbrand.com. All right. Well, I am super excited to have the editor in chief of the AV Club here. It's Mr. Patrick Gomez. Patrick, what's going on? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for having me. I'm so thrilled that you're here. So when you meet someone who kind of doesn't know you and doesn't know what you do, how do you explain who you are? Oh, well, I mean, I guess it depends a little bit on who the person is that I'm speaking to, because a lot of times, you know, stepping into stepping into a position like editor in chief, it can it's empowering. And, and I'm so you know, excited to, to have elevated to this title and have that. But there's also a little bit of, I don't know, Catholic guilt in success. So (laughs) it's always a little bit of a balance of, do you uh, proudly say, oh, I'm the editor in chief of the AV club? Or do you just say, oh, I I work at the AV club. And then if they ask more questions, do you get to, especially living and working in, in the Hollywood and the entertainment industry, you get that a lot with actors too. You know, somebody might walk up to somebody that's a star of a show that's been nominated for an Emmy and they don't know who they are. And they're like, oh, what do you do? And it's like, what do they say? Do they say like, oh, I'm the star of this show? Or do they just say, oh, I work on this show? (laughs) I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen to like people that I know are relatively well known that at a party, they will say that. And they, it's always funny to see them navigate it too. So I similarly uh, navigate that depending on who I'm speaking to. But once it gets past that, I, I kind of explain, you know, I work at an entertainment news and criticism site that covers everything from movies to TV to books to podcasts to comics. Basically, if you could possibly enjoy uh, digesting something, we probably are, are discussing it. And the other thing, too, that I always like to mention about AV Club is that while other places are, unfortunately, the number of cr- critics are dwindling because of budget reasons, because of traffic reasons, the AV Club has maintained, you know, a large force of critics who try to tackle as much as possible. And we don't just review something when it's premiering or a big finale. We try to review every episode of big shows. And so that's always stuff that I love to get to talk to people about because everyone always has opinions. I mean, you know, you and I have opinions as we're watching the TV show. <laughs> I, just get, uh, I just get paid to help people write about it. That's awesome. So what's kind of new and exciting at the AV Club? Sure. Well, you know, speaking of podcasts, like we're, we're always constantly trying to evolve our podcast coverage and then our actual production of podcasts. So we have a weekly podcast feature called Podmass that kind of rounds up five fantastic podcasts. You know, obviously yours would be worthy of being among those. Um, and <laughs> number uh, one, right? <laughs> number one. Um, and really kind of getting into that because particularly right now with everyone not commuting as much, which normally would be a time you digest podcasts, are listening to them at home. Uh, you know, I think we're all like, getting through our DVRs and our all the streaming platforms and are looking for other ways to uh, digest and, and entertain ourselves. So, you know, podcasts continue to be a place to expand. And like I said, not just on the side of covering them, but also producing them. We have, we just launched an awards focused podcast, but really just an entertainment news and interview podcast called Push the Envelope. We just finished uh, our Emmys series, walking up to the Emmys September 20th was that awards. And that's been super fun, but we want to launch more of those because we want to just provide more opportunities for the reader to get to know our writers. And really, that's what is amazing about the podcast format is that it's long form. It allows people that maybe have read someone's work on the site really get to know that person and and hear those words from their own voice. So it's almost like cultivating the brand of each of the critics within the brand of AV Club. 
Yeah, I mean, so we've had we've had Film Club as a as a podcast, and when in the before times, uh, also a video, uh, they would shoot it in the, in the office. We had our main film critic and our main film writer get on and discuss stuff, and and you know, obviously, if it's video, people are getting to see the person as well. They're not just some like faceless name that like is is you know who are they and why do I care what they think about? If you're actually having hearing them have a conversation about something. I think it, it allows you to respect their opinion a little bit more. So, Patrick, one of the real reasons why I wanted to talk to you is in full disclosure, because, of course, you're a, a couple of years younger than me. Right. But I, I met you almost 15 years ago. You know, I think you were right out of school or just finishing school and in like your really early marketing roles and all of those things. And you've I've watched you grow into this, you know, both leader, but also a personality, right? Who has a, has a voice. So when you think back over maybe the past 10 or 15 years, what have been some of the big career breakthrough moments for you? Sure. I mean, you know, I graduated school and I had a a double major basically in theater and broadcast journalism. You know, it was very much focused on on kind of going forward in one of those in one of those areas and i went to university of southern california so i was already in la oh, trojans yay oh, trojans right fight on you know when i graduated there was a a desire to like at least give the acting thing a chance but also like really always furthering the other side my other passion because they were equal passions and are they still are i i still uh, participate in the cabaret for charity every few months when we're actually able to have productions. You know, I, I still find ways to perform and scratch that itch as well. But uh, I always was hustling to make sure that I kind of had pots stirring in both in both areas. And when I was out of school, that meant working a restaurant job, working a marketing job, working uh, freelance or writing for free uh, a lot of times for uh, other, you know, online publications. At the point that I got even my internship at People Magazine, I was I was working four actual jobs and one other one on the side all at the same time. And they, all of them were part-time. So, you know, I'd work two days marketing, three days at a restaurant, one, two days at a, at a online publication, all of that stuff. And, And the biggest risk that I took was giving all that up for a three month opportunity at people. My, my people magazine career started as a three month internship, basically it was paid luckily. And it, and and uh, thank God they pay actually quite well, um, their interns. So it was, it mm-hmm. was not a financial hit to do that, but I was able to, I had to kind of say to all of my jobs, like, Hey, if this is around in three months, great. But if not, like I have to take this risk. Um, and three months turned into almost a decade. So, you know, I, I'm so happy that I took that, that leap of faith, but then I also worked my ass off, you know, I mean, yeah. there's, there's that aspect of it too. And I know it's such a common L.A. story, right? It seems almost, you know, tired, but you were getting your foot in the door by doing this internship, right? It was that huge risk, which a lot of people take. What was it that you were doing? What was kind of the magic recipe that got you picked up after the 90 days? Yeah. So, you know, 90 days became uh, about a year and a half as what I call permalance. And then, (laughs) and then I actually, I actually was the first person in their LA office to go from permalance to full-time in over nine years. Like, and part of that was luck uh, and just the timing. They happened to have positions, a position open. But even then I had to apply alongside two other permalancers who had actually been there, who had actually been there longer than I had. 
And really, I think at the end of the day, one of the things that gave me a leg up was the fact that I was a few years out of school when I took this quote unquote internship. These other two candidates, both lovely and amazing journalists who have gone on to do great things as well, they had started during school. And I think just my life experience, the fact that I was able to rely on you know, because it's particularly working at people, you're, you're, you're looking for people that are well connected in the industry. And the fact that I had an acting background. So there was a lot of people that were up and coming in Hollywood that I'd done projects with over the years, Mm -hmm. or like that I knew people that knew people that knew them. And all of that life experience that I was able to bring to this job, you know, I was started it, you know, more than a few years out of school. And so I was like three or four years older than these people. I had that life experience and diversified life experience. I didn't come straight out of journalism school and go right into working at people. I'd worked at restaurants. So I knew, I knew restaurant managers and waiters and that's important in this industry. Uh, And I knew actors and I knew directors and, and people that I both knew from USC, but also just from life and actually participating as, as an actor as well. So all of it came into play. But the other thing too, is that I just, Working in the service industry, I think, was a huge benefit for me going into corporate America because one of my last bosses at a restaurant, I'll never forget. I always caution when I'm when I'm telling people that this is like my philosophy with work because it can turn into your life becoming all work. But, you know, it's the never say no policy. It's like mm-hmm. and at a restaurant that came to fruition in if a guest asks you for oranges and you don't have oranges, you know, don't stop it. No, say we don't have oranges, but I can offer you this, this, and this. And that's kind of how I started tackling my professional life. Once I moved beyond restaurants, it's, uh, you know, can you work on Saturday? If you can say yes, but if you can't, don't stop there. Say, no, I can't do that, but I can take someone else's shift or I can do something else during the week that can make someone else's life easier on the weekend. And that I think was something that just became ingrained in me. And to this day, Maybe maybe makes me take on more than I should sometimes, but <laughs> but at the end of the day, I think it's been a major part of why I've been able to succeed. Right. So being able to say yes almost becomes a hallmark, right? And sometimes it's not the exact yes, but it's helping find a solution, right? Right. Always always being part of the solution, not creating a problem, and at least and not like letting a problem just sit there. Absolutely. So talk about then jumping from just being a journalist, being a reporter, right? Covering the entertainment media, you know, movie, film beat, all of those great things. What was it like to break through to actually become an editor in chief or become someone that was really doing lots of on air and, you know, on podcast work? Yeah, I think there is where the fact that I'd actually gotten the degree in broadcast journalism, print had never truly excited me. I knew if I was ever going to work in print, it would be for like magazine. Um, and obviously now digital was not even really something that there was, there was the option to take classes that focused on digital, but nobody was specializing in that. Yeah. But I knew that like working in hard newspaper news, it was, it was a little too regimented for me. And that's why broadcast seemed interesting to me as well, because it kind of took in my, the performance bug a little bit, but also you were able to be a little bit more, show a little more personality. I didn't really love the the fact that you kind of were confined to to all these conventions in a traditional newspaper print position. And a lot of the people that I worked with at, at People were a little wary of digital in general, but also wary of on-camera stuff. And w- either because they'd never done it or just because 
I happened to enter the workforce at a time when what being a journalist was, was transforming. You know, you used to never want to be part of the story. And I saw that transformation happen at People. Uh, when I started at People, you would never write anything in the first person. You would never be photographed as part of it unless you're the editor in chief and, you know, you might have an editor's letter or, you know, if you had a large event, they might run a photo of you. But other than no one else would ever be, you know, featured in the magazine. And by the time I left to go work at Entertainment Weekly, they had a whole franchise. They have a whole franchise about like, we tried it. And I went through this experience. And, you know, in the years since I was there, uh, I've been so heartened to see people write first person pieces about being an immigrant, or first person pieces about being adopted or having a similar illness to somebody that, that a celebrity and covering it in that way. And, and really journalists have been encouraged now, and you might say that's for better or worse. Um, but journalists are now encouraged to let their personality shine and become a little bit part of the story. And again, I think there's there's times that that's a good thing and there's times that maybe we shouldn't push that far in that direction. But I certainly, you know, never shied away from an opportunity to let my personality shine. And that came forward in a lot of our initial digital video offerings. You know, there was a lot of people that were like, oh, like I could never be on camera. I'd hate it. And I was like, sure, put me in front of it. And so that helped. And having experience just through school of doing live, like quote unquote, live hits, even if it was just in practice, there was a lot of times that we do, would do live streams and people would be like, oh no, we, if you could edit it, I'd do it. But I never could just sit here and talk. And for better or worse, I can sit here and talk all day. <laughs> and so speaking of really, you know, bringing your point of view, bringing your persona through, you know, how would you describe your brand as a journalist, as a critic, as an editor? Sure. I mean, a word that it's one of my favorite words in the English language for multiple reasons, some of them very nerdy and, you know, really getting to minutia in terms of language. But I love the word effervescent. And that is what I always try to be. And that is a word that I would use to describe my writing, hopefully describe my uh, on camera personality. Um, and my personality, just in everyday life, I, I always try and you know, it, it kind of goes back to always being a part of the solution. You know, I, I, I don't like to get down. And that doesn't mean I don't like to cover serious stories. One of the things I miss the most about working at People is going from covering a red carpet to going to behind the scenes of a studio set to then the next day flying out. And I wish gun violence didn't exist, but flying out and interviewing a mother who lost her son to gun violence. Like the fact that I'm able to tackle both very serious subjects and very light subjects is something I do miss from working at an organization like People. But for the most part, I... I like to maintain an image and personality that is light and frothy is another word that I like to use. And that doesn't mean there's not substance there, but uh, I want people to have fun consuming content that I'm helping create. Yeah. So I always talk about having these supersized words that feel uniquely you, right? And so you being uniquely Patrick is being effervescent and light and frothy and fun, right? But not necessarily not being able to cover serious things. One of the things that people get really challenged with when I'm working with them on their brand is they can come up with those great words, the effervescent, the frothy, the light, the fun, but they have difficulty sort of applying that in action. So tell me, Patrick, how do you apply? What's something that you actionalize? What is something that you behavioralize from maybe writing something? How do you write something so that it comes across as effervescent or frothy? And then how do you actually maybe show up on camera or with your own team as effervescent and frothy? 
I think being like part of that is being self-aware and allowing speaking a little colloquially. And this also is, I've been fortunate to work at brands that have allowed for that people less. So people is very for being a magazine can be quite formulaic and just like, this is the people voice. And, and it's definitely an editor's magazine, but then to go to a place like EW, which is very much a writer's magazine and all of those pieces, you want that voice to come through, come through, come through. And similarly at AV club, particularly because there's so much critical voice you know, you want that person's opinion. You're not, you're not, you're not changing things because you want it to sound a certain way. If you're editing something, it's, it's because, oh, I think this might be clearer if I've changed something. I'm not changing something because like, oh, that tone is not what I, as an editor would convey. You want to maintain the writer's tone. So when I'm writing my own stuff, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of just like turns of phrase that keep things from getting too dense. I'm a big M dash fan. You know, some people are semicolon people. I'm an M dash person. Uh huh. If you don't work in journalism, the M dash is like the longer dash. So uh, I'm a big fan of that. So there's just there's ways of using punctuation. Um, I'm a big fan of a super short sent of a one word sentence to make a point. There's that kind of stuff that I think just gets personality across in written form. And then uh, on camera, it's it's allowing for it's letting those awkward moments not go by without acknowledging them. It's it's not pretending that this is not a weird thing of being recorded. You know, I, I remember doing a, a live stream of a red carpet. It's actually one of the last things I did when I was at Entertainment Weekly before moving to the AV Club. And they were telling me in my ear that one person was walking up, but then another person walked out. Like, I, they're coming over my shoulder. And so in my ear, they're, they're saying, I don't remember, but they'd say it was, it was, it was uh, the Will Smith, Tom Holland animated film is what this carpet was for. And in my ear, they're telling me, say, they're telling me that it was Will Smith. I turn around and it's Tom Holland. And of course, I've just been like, oh my God. And so apparently here we have Will Smith. And then it's just like, you you can't pretend that didn't happen. Like you have to acknowledge yeah. it. Like, oh my goodness. Well, this is clearly not Will Smith. You know, uh, man in disguise, you are apparently like, and you just take it from there and you fully acknowledge that. And to me, a lot of people try to pretend that a mistake didn't happen or try to maintain this facade. And I'm just about like throwing that away. And it's, yeah. it's all out there. Yeah. So for you, right, that light element comes across with, hey, things aren't perfect when we're live and we're just rolling with it. And it's kind of funny, right? Yeah. I mean, if I did, like, I'm a huge fan of her music, but also her personality. Like, I also feel like a little bit when I'm describing theirs is Kelly Clarkson on camera. Um, <laughs> so I, I guess maybe we are, we are kindred spirits in that way. Now, Patrick, how have you had to sort of evolve your brand as you've progressed through the industry? You know, it's interesting because if I think about the people that I look up to and maybe want to emulate a little bit because of the time that I came into the industry, which was uh, a little over a decade ago, the, the people that I've seen develop into personalities beyond just writers or editors that are behind the scenes were already in leadership positions when they were making that evolution. You know, when I first joined People Magazine, the editor there had dabbled a little bit in, in like going on Good Morning America and, and being a public face in that way. But then when Jess Cagle joined as editor-in-chief, he really took that ball and ran with it. You know, he'd had his Sirius XM show because of the Entertainment Weekly serious relationship. Uh, and now that has continued and it's, it's you know, one of the most popular shows. So Jess Cagle show, shameless plug there for him. Uh, <laughs> getting to see him do that, I, I saw that and was like, that's what I want. I want, I want to be recognizable beyond my written word. And not that I don't, 
think that that's a totally viable place to stay. But I, I just, you know, it, you become more invaluable to your, to your, to the company you work for if your person and the brand, meaning the publication, if your brand makes you a face and a recognizable name and face within the industry. That's something that I really pride myself on in terms of when I was coming up was making sure that people at ABC at, you know, because I covered a lot of television, um, at first that people at all of the networks knew my name, knew my face. If they saw me at an event, like they could recognize me from across the room. And I think that that's super important. And Jess did that, you know, to the nth degree where the fact that Julia Roberts will run over and say hi to him because she remembers having that hour long conversation with him on his radio show or they, you know, he had the Jess Cagle show when he was uh, people that ran on their digital platform. And what's been interesting for me to navigate is starting to develop that forward facing personality and presence while being a more junior staffer and then how that evolves as you increase uh, your role and and becoming an editor becoming a, a senior editor at Entertainment Weekly and then becoming editor in chief at the AV club it's been an interesting way to navigate because things that maybe i used to do that would have been totally you know it's the same thing as just getting older things you didn't things you did in college you're probably not going to yeah. do once you're once you're a working professional and there's there's some of that as well where like i used to be a little bit more voicey on social media and like have like fun, fun photos of like a vacation where like maybe there's like me and friends in swimsuits and things like that. And now I'm like, well, now I'm a boss and I don't know that. <laughs> and I know that like I have a lot of staffers that, that follow me on social media. And I like, I just think like, would I want to see my boss, you know, doing that or whatever. And, and so there's that aspect of it. I think that that becomes a little bit uh, of dampens the free spiritness of it all a little bit, but hopefully not too much. And how do you, Describe the difference between your brand sort of on air and then behind the scenes when you're working with your team. Are they one in the same or is there an, a difference? When you're on air, you have so much more control over obviously editing happens and, and such if it's not a, a something live. But there's no one tweaking every sentence of what you said. You know, what you said is what you said, and they might cut out a few sentences or something, but but they're not, you know, going every, over everything with a fine-tooth comb. So there's obviously that difference between the written word and something that's on air. The other aspect of it, I think, that's, that is interesting when you are kind of doing on-air stuff and working with editors who are taking your product and turning it into something for a visual or audio medium versus print is that in print, like, because I'm the boss, I'm able to say, well, we're going to leave that that way. Or no, I think that's the photo we go with instead of this. When it comes to these other mediums, I am a little bit back in, back in a more junior level, just because I'm then, I'm then somewhat talent and not that I can't be maybe not official title wise, but executive producing the podcast or executive producing the video content. Like at the end of the day, I am handing that off to an editor who is going out and, and making the tweaks that they think are necessary. And there might be notes, but they're the ones that really get to craft that at the end of the day. And so there's, there's that difference, of course. Um, and then in terms of my role as editor in chief, there's, there's a lot more managerial stuff and the boring stuff of being an editor in chief. And that I think that, that translates into what I help produce for the site as well, because, uh, I have to be very cognizant of like, how is this being taken? If I wrote this piece and I decided that I'm going to write 6,000 words because I'm the editor in chief and I'm allowed to, when anyone else writing that piece, we would say, Hey, you need to stop at 3,000 words. I try to, I try to maintain similar expectations on myself as I would any of our other writers. 
Yeah. So it's really about managing your brand and thinking, you know, it's as important to you what the team sees as fair and equitable and that you're actually living the rules or maybe the brand of the AV club and not just Patrick's, right? Yeah. Well, because I think similar to when I was wedding planning, I think you learn more from seeing what you don't want to emulate than what you do maybe sometimes. (laughs) You know, my husband and I went to, I think it was like five or six weddings in the year before we got married. And we would take these notes of, oh, like, oh, that was nice. I kind of like that. But then you don't want to copy someone. It was more so like you were like, I 100% don't want that aspect (laughs) at my wedding. Um, Those were the things that you remembered the most. And I think it's similar. Like when I think of um, situations where I've been in a, a, a situation where a leader has made it all about themselves or like thinks that they're above the the law. <laughs> Maybe that's describing a little bit too much of America right now, but, but <laughs> you know, that, that breeds a lot of frustration. I think if somebody holds themselves to different standards and thinks they can do stuff that they're asking other people not to do. Um, so I always try to operate from a place of, while I may be the decision maker, I also am among you in terms of when it comes to rules and regulations. Like I, I'm not going to say I can get away with something that you can't. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about young Patrick. I feel like everyone has a brand story. What are some things that, that happened during your life or that are important in sort of your formative years that have informed who you are today? Sure. Well, I mean, my mom said I was singing before I could talk. I was always performing. I used to, I I grew up in Houston uh, or a small, a small city inside of Houston called Bel Air. And it's humid. It's hot. There's lots of big bugs. So the, (laughs) we would call them the bug man, but the exterminator would have to come on a, like, you know, every three months to spray and keep things out. And she tells me stories that I don't even remember of being like super young and putting on like full on, like, Broadway shows, like I'd listen to Broadway soundtracks and perform the whole show for the bug man, like as he's walking around spraying. So I'm sure like ingesting <laughs> the, the chemicals just made me go even crazier. But I was always like a big personality, but also very much, I was also a big people pleaser. And I, I, I am and always have been. And I think the finding the right balance between those two is important. Uh, again, never say no, but also like racing a camera anytime I see it. Like that's been something that's been constant um, through my entire life. And I did a ton of theater in school. And one of the things actually that uh, was very formative for me was after my sixth grade production of Bye Bye Birdie, my director happened to just mention to my mom being like, I could see Patrick hosting the nightly news one time. And I was in sixth grade. And for some reason that stuck in my head and all of a sudden it just it became this bug in my ear that pushed me I think through the path that I am here today I think it 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 showed me like oh like that's a really cool job like yeah I could I could I could be the nightly news anchor and that pushed me towards journalism which obviously got me to where I am today and so I have a lot to be grateful for in terms of my my middle school drama teacher Miss Browning she put me here basically all thanks to bye bye birdie right all thanks to bye bye birdie <laughs> So as we close out, Patrick, a couple of fun final questions. We're talking all about brands. What brand are you obsessed with? What is your must-have brand that you love? Oh, oh, that's, oh, that's tough. I, uh, oh, give me a second. Sorry. We can put this out. Um, Because I'm trying to to think of the name of it. Oh, okay. I know what I'm going to do. 
it's it's we're in pandemic time so there's not a lot of clothes shopping that i'm doing right now but uh so there's a lot of food shopping and uh, i have to give it to to gt's kombucha i'm a huge mm. kombucha fan and they actually just went through a rebranding they had cayenne aid which is super spicy and ginger aid which is ginger flavored and they used to look identical um and i'm so glad that they now have two very different packaging because uh, <laughs> i no longer i no longer get home and open one up and i'm like oh that is spicy so I, I will go with that. I, I, in terms of like something I have to have that particular brand, GT's Kombucha. And if you were a type of car, what type of car would you be? <laughs> oh, man. I, I have long been a, a Kia buyer. I value like technology, like the, inside, the te- technology inside the car more than like the aesthetic. I would say I would be uh, like a Mini Cooper. I'd be a Mini Cooper. I think they're like fun and zippy and I'd have a little racing stripe on the top. Yeah, that's what I want. <laughs> Mini <cool. laughs> And finally, what's the best career advice that you'd like to pass on to our listeners today? I mean, I have to go back. I mean, obviously make sure that you have a work-life balance, but keeping that never say no mantra that was instilled in me by, by that restaurant boss, finding ways to always be part of the solution, I think is is one of the most important things to keep in mind. That doesn't mean giving yourself away to your work. That doesn't mean, you know, m- pushing yourself past the point of, of mental stability. But if you can just in your head, always be part of finding the solution, everyone's going to want to work with you. Well, Patrick Gomez, thank you for saying yes to being on the show. It was great having you here. Oh, so great to get to spend time with you. Thank you. Uh, I can't wait to listen to more of it, too. And we'll be back in just a few moments with my final thoughts. Are you tired of not being recognized for your work? Are you ready to rise above the rest and accelerate to the next level? The Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program will help you take control of your career, develop your own unique brand, and catapult you to a whole new level of success. You are a top performer, and the Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program is what you need to get you there. Visit leadwithyourbrand.com to learn how. And we're back. I hope you just loved our conversation with Patrick Gomez. You know, it was so fun reconnecting with Patrick because he's actually someone that I met when he was a very young man interning at my husband's marketing firm. And to see where he's gone is really inspiring. And what I've learned from Patrick is that it's really about being core to what your key strengths are as well as your passions. You know, when I listened to Patrick and he talked about, you know, being an actor and all of the lessons that he learned, right? All of those passions and all of those strengths are what makes him amazing as an editor-in-chief, interviewer, and podcast and television show host today. So you've really got to think about what is that inventory of your key talents? What's that inventory of the things that you're passionate about, whether that's topics, whether that's hobbies, whether that's things that you love to do and people you love to be with, and then you've got to mash it up with a need. What Patrick did really well was looking at the intersection of those strengths, his passions, and what the marketplace needed in terms of having a role and jobs for him. 
Well, that's the show for today. I hope you had a blast. If you did, make sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode. And I'd love for you to take a quick moment, give us some feedback by leaving a comment and rating the show. You can follow me on social media at at Jason Patria and make sure to check in with me on LinkedIn so that you can find all of your latest tips on how to lead with your brand. And remember, in your career, don't be coffee. Make sure that you are Starbucks. You've been listening to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores and uncovers exceptional career success stories and inspiring personal brand journeys with your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Remember to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us at leadwithyourbrand.com.